Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. We are continuing our series that we're in. We're calling it Blessed and Stressed. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at this idea that as Christians, and many of us are Christians here, we know we're blessed. We know, we know we're blessed by God. We're grateful for everything that he's done for us, is doing for us, will do for us, all the things he's doing behind the scenes that we'll never know. We are, we are so grateful. We are so blessed. And yet, we're stressed. Okay? There's aspects of our life. There are areas of our life where our faith and our feelings are just, they're not lined up exactly. They're not in the, they're the same page. And so each week, we're talking about specific stressors that all of us deal with. And we're trying to find out what does God have to say about these stressors? What tips does he have for us so that we can kind of mitigate the pressure and feel more blessed and hopefully a whole lot less stressed? Last week, we kind of began this conversation that we're going to finish up today. We talked about how two of the greatest blessings in our life are friends and family, people that we love, people we can do life with, build memories with, we can lean on, we can learn from. These are people that we really do love. We're so grateful to have in our lives, and yet, if we're being honest, some of them stress us out, okay? And the reason that some of these folks stress us out is because many of them have what we're going to call toxic traits, habits, behaviors, ongoing actions that just stress us out. It can just wreak havoc on our mental health. And so last week, we asked the question, all right, well, how do we love the people who stress us out? Because Jesus called us to love everybody. You know, it's very easy to just cut someone out of your life, but we're not supposed to do that. How do we love the folks that stress us out? And we began answering this question by taking a look at controlling people. Folks who kind of step into your life and tell you how they think that you should be doing things. And if you don't do what they think you should do, they get angry. Today what I want to do is expand on this conversation of stressful people. And I want to talk about critical people. It could be that boss in your life who never compliments you, just complains. Right? It's never about what you do right. It's always about what you do wrong and how they would do it differently than you're doing it. Maybe you're an adult here, and yet your parents still criticize every single thing you do. The way that you dress, uh, where you live, the way that you choose to raise your kids. It's like nonstop. Maybe you're like a lot of us who grew up Catholic. And now your family busts your chops because you go to this church. <laughs> because obviously this isn't a real church. We know this, right? So all, <laughs> duh, <laughs> this doesn't count. So we all kind of have critics in our life. And so the question that we want to answer today is, all right, well, how do we handle criticism from a biblical perspective? How do we respond? And how do we love through that criticism? What I want to do is give you four tactics kind of right out of Scripture that I believe will help you navigate that criticism and mitigate its negative effects in your life. So number one, when you find yourself being criticized, and it could be criticism coming from a family member, a friend, a coworker, a boss, whoever, based on what we see in Scripture, when you're being criticized, often you don't respond. And this is so hard, okay? But just because somebody criticizes you does not obligate you. It does not mean that you must respond back. And once you recognize that, it's incredibly freeing. This is one of Jesus' go-to methods for dealing with the critics in his life. And Jesus had a lot of critics in his life. 
Peter said this about Jesus. When they hurled their insults at him, him being Jesus, let's pause. So what did people say about Jesus? Well, number one, time and time again, they would call him a friend of sinners. Now, while that's a song that we would kind of sing in a church these days, that was not really a worshipful statement when they called him that. All right? That was not a compliment. They saw him hanging out with prostitutes. They saw him hanging out with tax collectors, and they criticized him for that. We know they would call him a glutton. They called him a drunkard. I think on two occasions they called him Son of Mary, which sounds like a wonderful Christmas song, but that was actually an insult about his birth. Effectively, they were calling it an illegitimate birth by calling him Son of Mary. They called him a lunatic, a heretic, a blasphemer. So what did Jesus do with all this? Peter says this, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Okay, he didn't fire back. He didn't criticize back. He didn't complain. He didn't stomp his feet. He didn't call it unfair. He didn't play the victim card. When people lobbed criticism at our Lord, he simply ignored it. And instead, it says that he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. We talked about this last week. Jesus knew who he was in God. And so he was able to let these criticisms just slide right off his back. They did not derail him. So whenever we find ourselves being criticized or being insulted, sometimes the best course of action is not to respond at all. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said this, a person, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So let's talk about what this does not mean, okay? Solomon is not suggesting that you pretend an offense didn't happen. He's not asking you to just stick your head in the sand. For example, he's not saying that you should pretend like your mother-in-law, for example, didn't just make a comment about the dress that you're wearing. (laughs) She did just say that, right? That it might be a little too tight for your body type. We all heard that. Those words came out of her mouth, all right? Psalm isn't saying pretend like she didn't just say that. What he is suggesting, however, is that we choose to forgive in real time. That we don't hold a grudge. That we forgive on the fly. And so it's, okay, I know what they just said isn't fair. It's not right. It's not nice. I know I could get angry, and I have a right to get angry. I could snap. I could make it more awkward in here than it already is, but I am choosing to take the high road. I'm going to overlook it. Solomon says foolish people are easily upset, but the wise pay no attention to hurtful words. It is to our glory to just overlook an offense. So last week, if you were here, you know we celebrated DHC's eighth anniversary. And I'll just tell you this. When we launched this church, there were some people that were not happy about it. In fact, we, Adam and I, and a couple of the founding folks, we received an insane amount of unfair criticism because of this. Now, during that time, I had the chance to be mentored by really a a big-time guy in the church world. Um, leads a large church, prolific author, big podcast, a guy named Kerry Newhoff. I don't know if you know this. Um, anyway, his advice to me during that season of my life, during that season of criticism was this. He said, John, don't get in the mud with them. Because that's our tendency, isn't it? You want to get in the mud with them. You want to fight back. He said, don't get in the mud with them. In other words, overlook the offense. Ignore it. To what I said, yeah, but people won't know the truth if I don't say something. 
If I don't speak up, if I don't, if I don't say something back, people will only know one side of the story. And what he said next changed my life forever. He said, John, get comfortable with the fact that some people might never know the truth. Stay the course. Just keep doing what God has called you to do. Folks, this is all of us. And if you're a Christian in this room, there are going to be people who criticize you for any number of reasons, many of which are bogus, and it is to our glory, and I would argue God's as well, to just stay the course. When people hurled insults at Jesus, he just zipped it. He kept his eyes on the prize, so to speak, and he didn't get in the mud. So what do you do when somebody criticizes you? Often, you don't respond. But sometimes, you respond carefully. And notice I didn't say react, because a reaction and a response are very different. A reaction is all emotion. A response is controlled. It's spirit-led, I could argue. There's a great example of this in the Old Testament. There's a guy named Gideon. You might know that name. Gideon is the patron saint of hotel Bibles. And one day, Gideon was doing something that is true. One day, Gideon was doing something that got him some heat from the people around him. They didn't like what he was doing. It says this in Judges 8.1. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, that's Gideon, what is this thing you've done to us? Not calling us when you went to fight against Midian. So they criticized him sharply. Other translation says they challenged him vigorously. So he's got folks coming at him left, right, and center. They're criticizing him. What does he do? It says he simply answered them. He gave them a very clear, rational, spirit-led response. It's a long response. I saved you from it. But it basically, it's, I hear what you're saying, but the reality of the situation is this. And because he responded carefully, we read that when the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their anger subsided. See, based on what we see here in Scripture, sometimes the best course of action is to calmly offer context to your critic. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. For example, you're criticizing me for choosing to be a stay-at-home mom, right, rather than going back to work. Here's why I've made this decision. Here's why we as a family have made this choice, right? Or you're criticizing me for going back to work rather than being a stay-at-home mom because you ladies can never get a break. Here's why we've made this decision in this family. Often, when you offer context to a critic, it can disarm them. And one of the keys to responding carefully to our critics is to remember to wait before you respond. Because when emotions are high, wisdom is low. When emotions are high, you're not being driven by the spirit, so to speak. You're being driven by adrenaline. And I've never seen anybody make a wise decision in the heat of the moment. Before you respond, compose yourself. Take a beat. Take a step back. Ask for guidance from the Holy Spirit and then respond carefully. Now, sometimes you may encounter somebody who is really critical of you, right? Kind of like strangely so. Did it ever happen? It's like, what? What's that person's problem? What's up with that? They came out of left field. When that happens, and it does often, you got to know that sometimes, often, their criticism is not really about you. I mean, yeah, they're sure making it seem like it's about you, but often it's not really about you. When you're dealing with folks who are just super critical, hyper negative, exhaustingly so, their criticism is often born out of some hurt 
in their own lives. There's a famous saying you've probably heard it before. It says, hurt people, hurt people. And this is not two commands, right? And I, you're like, well, that's a practical I can finally get by. This is not two commands. What I'm saying here is that there are folks in this world who have some wound that they're dealing with, and it manifests in this hurtful, critical spirit. Hurting people often hurt people. Be aware of that. Be aware of that. Take what they say with a grain of salt because their criticism really could be about something going on in their own life. And instead of internalizing that, getting angry with that, instead, we often need to just give them some compassion. You gotta show them mercy. You have to offer them grace, right? We wanna try to love them through that wound rather than taking it personally. And that's not easy. That, I know what I'm at, that is not easy. But Jesus said to love your enemies, and let me tell you something, that person's not your enemy. I know it feels like they are, they're not your enemy. They're just hurting. So when facing criticism, sometimes we don't respond. Other times we respond carefully, and occasionally you want to listen and make a change. Because when it comes to criticism, you don't want to just dismiss all of it. That would be reckless. Today is about having discernment in the presence of criticism, and sometimes you can learn and grow from criticism. This is huge for some of you. Because for some of you, you know, you would say, well, you know, there's always people in your life you would say that are always hard on me, right? That person's always hard on me. That person's always coming down on me. That person's always riding me. Let me give you a nickel's worth of free advice, okay? If everyone tells you that you got a problem, (laughs) okay? I mean, if everyone is telling you that you got a problem, chances are you got a problem. If your spouse, who loves you, says that you're always yelling at the kids, guess what? You're always yelling at the kids. If all your friends tell you the guy you're dating is a loser, but hey, what do they know? I can fix him. You can't. (laughs) It's been done before. You can't do it. You are not called to be a missionary dater. If everyone in your life is telling you something, then maybe, just maybe, there's something you can learn. Solomon says this. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. In other words, you can miss an opportunity for growth. God has put people in our life for a reason, to speak wisdom into our lives, to help you grow as a person. And so you want to prayerfully, and that's an important word, prayerfully receive what they have to say for you. You don't want to just accept everything willy-nilly. Right? You want to prayerfully receive it and make some changes when necessary. So how do you respond to criticism? Number one, sometimes you don't. Number two, sometimes you respond carefully. Number three, occasionally you listen and you make a change. Lastly, you always guard your heart. Why? Because we want to make sure that we don't become critical ourselves. When you look at Scripture, cover to cover, okay, who in Scripture would you say has a critical spirit? They call him the accuser, the father of lies. He is the one who heaps shame and guilt on you. And so we want to be so careful to guard our hearts when criticism is lobbed against us because we don't want to let that spirit of his drive us to anger and bitterness and rage because then we become the critical person. And what's worse, often, 
we don't even know this is happening. Because it is very easy to spot a critical heart in somebody else, isn't it? Very easy. See it from a mile away. But it is incredibly difficult to see in, our own, in ourselves. Why is it so hard to see our own critical spirit? In my opinion, I think the reason is when we criticize, we think we're right. We do. And because we think we're right, we think we have the right to make known our opinion, whatever we want. One phrase you'll hear all the time on TV, you hear it a lot on Real Housewives. Not that I watch that show. I've just, it's, on the, it's in the background, okay? You hear it in Vanderpump Rules, all this kind of, like it's all, all society everywhere. It's ubiquitous, this phrase, okay? And I know whenever I hear this phrase, that drama is going to follow. And the phrase is, I just gotta say, okay? No, you don't. I just gotta say, okay. We've gotten to a place in culture where everybody feels like they just gotta say no matter how it's going to affect the person on the receiving end. And the reason we have no problem just saying it is because we think we're right. And we don't realize we're just being critical. Now, Christians in the room, you're not off the hook on this one, okay? Because you might not say, I just got to say, but there's a church version of this one, all right? And the church version is, I feel led to say, do you now, okay? I've heard this one a lot, okay? Do you, stop do you really feel like the God of the universe through the power of the Holy Spirit is leading you to make a comment that just so happens to conveniently align with your own personal opinions and preferences? Gosh, what a fortuitous coincidence for you. Okay? Paul says, look, why do you criticize other followers of the Lord? Why do you look down on them? Now, thankfully, I do not see this happening in our church often. I mean, other than when I bust Adam's chops for being a grown man who likes Disney princesses. But that's a different sermon for a different... Listen, if that's your thing, go for it, okay? But I will say this. I've been a part of church communities, and I bet you have too, where it's just ruthless. It's just... It's, people are so busy tearing each other down rather than building each other up. Paul says, so let's stop it. Knock it off. Let's stop criticizing each other because we're not called to be anybody's judge. We're called to love one another. Now, this does not mean that we shouldn't point out things that need to be changed when they need to be changed. For example, Scripture is very clear. If you see a fellow believer going down the wrong path, making unwise choices, about to make an unwise choice, we have an obligation, right? We have an obligation to go to them. But only, only after prayer, and self-reflection. I love what Solomon says in Proverbs 12. He says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. This is the kind of life we're called to live. Now, we're not always going to succeed. With the help of God in our lives, we can build each other up rather than tearing one another down. And if you want to search for things to criticize, you will find a never-ending supply. But beware, you become what you focus on. And when you always focus on the negative, I'm just telling you, you yourself will become negative. So choose to be different. Choose to lift others up, to build others up, and to bring healing. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at this church, every single week we put this word on the screen. We want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and just know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So Jesus made a lot of promises. Um, 
one of the promises he made wasn't what I would call a good promise. All right? I wouldn't call it in like the pro category. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. You can take that to the bank. In this world, you will have trouble, which means at some point in your life, you're going to get criticized. It's going to happen. And if you're a Christian, trust me, you'll be criticized even more. Because unlike the rest of the world, you have a spiritual enemy that is trying to break you. And one of his favorite tools is criticism. So to protect yourself from the critical spirit and other people, remember who you are in Christ. We got to be deeply rooted. We got to be deeply grounded in who we are in Christ. We talked about this last week. Calling provides clarity. You got to know who God has called you to be. You got to know what God has called you to do because when you are so confident and so sure of God's opinion of you in Christ, that criticism, whatever it is, won't derail you. You can overlook it because you got a higher calling. And ultimately, you know that the only opinion in this world that matters is God's. That's important to know. Because if we live for others' approval, we will die by their rejection. If we need someone's praise to live, I'm just telling you, you will die by its absence. That's why your approval is rooted in Christ alone. And when it is, you won't be driven by praise. And you will not be derailed by criticism. You will not let compliments go to your head. And you will not allow um, criticisms to go to your heart. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that with the opportunity just to come together and look at some of your wisdom. Lord, every single one of us, every single day, faces criticism at some level. And a lot of times, God, it's like death by a thousand cuts. It just chips away and chips away and chips away. Lord, I pray that today you would surround us with your Holy Spirit. That you would allow us to know who we are in you and how you see us and how you love us, God. And in that love, Lord, I pray that you would convict us if we are beginning to dabble, so to speak, Lord, with the critical spirit ourselves. Challenge us to live differently. Challenge us to lift others up to build others up, allow our words to bring healing. And we will give you all the praise. We ask this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen.